the company I was part of before partnering with American Hem Contractors, we grew tremendously in a very short amount of time. We ended up being number 213 on the Inc. 500 lists, you know, all that good stuff, you know, growth, 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 growth. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was fast, you know, move fast and break things type of mentality, focusing mainly on the top line. But, you know, it's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. So I do appreciate the control growth, less headaches, less friction on the resources. And it's nice to, you know, have money at the end of the day to do things with, you know, have that capital. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and I am... Excited today to talk to David Silverstein from American Home Contractors out of Maryland. Welcome, David. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Awesome. So before we get into it with David, I haven't done this in a while, but if you have not, if you're new or you haven't got a copy of The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor book yet, deal is very simple. I buy the book, you pay for delivery, you can go and get it at the wealthycontractor.com. The book is free. You just pay a small delivery fee, the seven secrets to becoming a wealthy contractor, how to make more money, take more time off and live your best life. So that is my pitch for the book. David, welcome. So you are in Maryland. You have a great business. Tell us a little bit, give us the two-minute version of your, your story. How'd you get into the business and tell us? Yeah, sure. So I started in roofing back in 2002 when I graduated high school. A buddy of mine convinced me to start working on the roof part-time through that summer. I was working at Kmart in the lawn and garden section, and I was perfectly happy working there and earning a little bit of additional money before going to college. But my friend convinced me to hop up on the roof and start tearing off and doing other labor-related activities to the process. And yeah, I guess the, the roofing industry kind of grabbed a hold of me and I did it through college. You know, I went to school a couple of days throughout the week, What was doing roofing about three days a week, weather permitting, roofed on the weekend, started doing side jobs started my own business back in 2008 and kind of rode that up through the recession and sold my interest in that business back in 2014 to partner up with a couple guys at American Home Contractors based out of, at the time, Laurel, Maryland. And when I joined American Home Contractors, they were doing under $3 million in business. Over the years, we've grown it to close to $20 million in business as of 2021. And yeah, it's been a hell of a ride and I'm happy to share some insights and some information that I've learned along the way. Cool. I appreciate that. So 2008, right before the recession, you started a roofing company and you sold your interest a few years later. That's kind of interesting. 
Correct. Yep. I, I sold the interest in 2014. It was a dispute amongst the partnership. Okay. Um, so I, I learned some uh, hard lessons with partners and that type of thing. So, yep, I had to move on. I sold what was mine. I started the company. I was the founder. But I was also excited to move on and partner with a couple of great guys at American Home Contractors and help build this business into what it is today. And, yeah. you know, we have high ambitions and aspirations to continue in the future. I'm fairly young, 37. I'm turning 37. So I plan to be in it for a lot longer. But it's an exciting business. You know, roofing is definitely exciting. And, and with roofing merging with solar, which is the future, in my opinion, I think it's going to get even more exciting. Yeah. So. so a lot of people listening might have partners. So you obviously had a situation early with their, the partnership didn't work out. And now you have a partnership that seems to be working very, very well. Can you share like some, what didn't work before and why does it work now? Well, I think it's important to make sure that you and your partners are all aligned with the right vision and mission. And you guys are realistic with, you know, each individual's wants out of that partnership, what you're looking to get out of it. So it just wasn't aligned. You know, we had one partner going this way, another partner going this way, and me, you know, heading this way. <laughs> you know, we weren't going in the same direction and it was a lot of tension. And, you know, I think that's important with any partnership, you know, spouse included, you know, just being upfront and honest of what you're looking to get out of the relationship, what your roles are, your goals, and just being real with one another. And if something changes like life does, then just being upfront and having that discussion, hey, you know, things have changed. I was originally, you know, set to go this way, but something happened either in my mind or in my life or whatever, and it's taking me this way, you know, and as long as you're upfront and honest, with that partnership and you can be open and have those conversations, I think, you know, a lot of partnerships can last for a very long time. Right now, is there three of you? There's four partners. Four. Interesting. Yeah. So can you tell us, how does it kind of break down? Like, what are you all kind of, are you all involved in the business day to day? Yes. All of us are very active. So a couple of the partners focus on sales and individual okay. markets, Maryland and Virginia. And my counterpart, Steve, he focuses on the back end, the finance and the production side of the business. And I focus on the marketing, the HR and the technology sides of the business are my main areas of focus. So it's nice because as we scaled up and grown, we haven't had to take on a lot more extra responsibilities because we kind of stay in our lanes and it allows us to grow profitably comfortably control growth. And it's just nice to have to, you know, although we do pay attention to other areas of the business, we focus on what drives value that we can control, you know, what our expertise is as individuals. And that's kind of how we have a harmonious relationship together. Yeah, that's really well said. And, and I like how you guys are all in the different major, you've got all the major silos covered by a partner. And so I guess, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys all have a very good relationship and you understand what each person brings to the table and the value that they, they each bring in. You mentioned controlled growth. Very interesting thing to say in this day and age, because the last couple of years has just been absolutely crazy. 
I mean, the levels of growth, I mean, people are talking about a 40% growth, 50% growth. I mean, I've got people I've talked to that are at like 80% growth, which A, is not sustainable, but B, that, you know, big growth like that, anything over maybe 25, 30% requires real control, I guess, using your word, real control over all of the different parts and pieces of the business. So when you say controlled growth, what does that mean to you? Controlled growth means to me, it means just making sure that you're growing at a rate that the resources in the business can sustain it. You know, unsustainable growth leads to disaster. You know, the company I was part of before partnering with American Home Contractors, we grew tremendously in a very short amount of time. We ended up being number 213 on the Inc. 500 lists, you know, all that good stuff, you know, growth, 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 growth. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was fast, you know, move fast and break things type of mentality, focusing mainly on the top line. But, you know, it's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. So I do appreciate the control growth, less headaches, less friction on the resources. And it's nice to you know, have money at the end of the day to do things with, you know, have that capital, you know, growing just to grow and get yourself on a list or a publication, that's just feeding your ego, you know, and obviously my younger self was more into that, more into, you know, feeding the ego and trying to be, you know, the number one, you know, CEO's biggest list of achievers. And, you know, I'd rather not have the notoriety and that kind of stuff these days. And, you know, really focus on what's important to me, yeah. you know, which is earning, earning a, a good income, providing for a lot of people and yeah, growing controllably and maintaining profitability along the way. Yeah. So, you know, people are very tempted today to sell, 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 keep selling, keep selling, keep selling. But it's almost like you don't, you obviously don't have the battle going on in your head you think about it, but it's not a battle for you over, oh God, we've got all this opportunity. We can go sell another, you know, whatever million dollars or few million dollars. And on the other side, you know, you can't get it installed. Right. But it's like, oh, but we can sell it. So let's go do it. What am I trying to say? How do you resolve that in your head? Well, I think it's easy, you know, as a sales rep, a lot of times you want to sell anything you can. You know, you go out to a home, you meet a homeowner, and even if you don't think it's going to be a good fit, you try to get the sale because you spent all that time and energy going out there to meet with that person. You know, you have a lot invested up to that point. You know, I believe in the sunk cost fallacy. You know, if it's not meant to be, then it doesn't matter how much you've spent in the past, you know, just move on, cut your losses and don't try to capture that sale if it means, you know, potentially selling something under the acceptable profit margin or getting yourself involved with a relationship or a homeowner that could potentially go south and be a huge headache. You know, If we're working with someone who we know is gonna be challenging throughout the process, that's why there's flexibility in our pricing. You know, It's not standardized pricing across the board. I mean, if we know, we get a sense that this individual, this homeowner is gonna be difficult and challenging and very demanding, we charge them more, we have to. They're gonna take up more of our time, there's going to be a higher chance that something's going to go wrong and eat into the profitability of the job. So yeah, it's very situational. So we, we teach our sales reps to go out and not just sell, 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 sell. You know, we try not to focus too much on volume bonuses. We try to focus on the profitability 
of the projects. We'd rather do fewer projects sold well yeah. than a ton of jobs sold at a very hair thin, you know, profit margin. Yeah. And that's really hard. Well, I should say it's very hard for as business owners, because we want to go out, we want to make that sale. It's ingrained, you know, it's part of our DNA, but the smart home, the smart business owner is, well, I don't want to sell that job if we're not going to make our margin on it. And that takes a lot of, that takes guts to be able to say no and say that this is not for us. So we're not going to do it and we're perfectly okay with it. We talk about it here all the time. Just like you said, I mean, you know, to the listener who's been here for a while, you've heard this conversation before. You just heard it from David. It's like you could sell less jobs and still make a lot more money. And it's counterintuitive, right? But you know, because you know your numbers, you know it's true, right? So I'll take a few point hit to my sales conversions, but those few points on the sales conversion are going to translate to a a few points up on my bottom line, which, as you just said, is the is the more important number. How do you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. How do you guys go about your planning? So there's four of you. Do you sit down and come up with a quarterly target, an annual target, if you don't mind sharing that? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we do come up with goals that we'd like to achieve throughout the year. The last couple of years have been kind of crazy. It seems like it's hard to plan three months into the future (laughs) with the supply chain issues and all that. But no, we have quarterly goals, yearly goals. So we reverse engineer at the end of the year, what do we want to see out of this year's progress? And then we go back and then we break it down into quarters, into months, into weeks, you know, we try not to measure things on a daily basis per se, because we don't want to do any knee jerk reactions. Like we want to give it some time. Obviously there's ups and downs along the way. But yeah, we always take a snapshot at the end of each week, see how things are going. We do have some daily metrics that we focus on, like the amount of leads we're scheduling, the amount of services that come in, the amount of sold deals, you know, all that stuff we track. We try to motivate the team on a daily basis. We try to measure results on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis, just to make sure that we're not making knee-jerk reactions to something that may just be temporary. But absolutely. Yeah, we definitely plan ahead and we reverse engineer back down to, you know, like I said, quarters, months, weeks, days, that type of stuff. How are you dealing with supply chain and labor issues? Well, we're trying to manage it as best as we can. One of the biggest issues we've experienced this year is being able to get product, mainly window products and window installers. You know, there definitely is a labor shortage for window installers. In our particular market, it's not the case for a lot of the other trades, but window installers have been very tough. We've had windows, you know, we've had an issue trying to get the windows in time. You know, it used to be two to three weeks. Now it's six, eight, 12 weeks and plus. So getting the product has been challenging, but when the product comes in, you know, having enough people to install it, our warehouse is backed up. We've had to get more warehouse space this year just to house the additional product. So yeah, it's been challenging and just kind of grinding it through and trying to work through those challenges, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's centered around stuff that's outside of our control, but we're trying to control as many variables we can internally. You know, if we need window installers, we're actively trying to get more window installers. 
obviously if it had a crystal ball, we would have tried to do that months ago, but yeah. you know, <laughs> throughout the course of the year, just posting more ads, building more relationships, tapping into our networks. And, you know, we've actually tapped into some, some networks that we didn't really think were feasible early on, like our roofers, you know, we asked our roofing crews, Hey, do you guys know anyone who can install windows? And a lot of them ended up providing us names and numbers to reach out to. Hey, I got a buddy that can do it. Hey, you know, if he's not busy, sure, reach out to him. And we found some good window installers through our roofing network. So yeah, just trying to think about solutions to these problems we have, you know, just getting creative, thinking outside of the box. And that's kind of what has helped us along the way through the pandemic and dealing with these labor shortages and difficulties in getting products. How are you dealing with the customer? So you're sitting down with the customer today that wants windows like next week and they got to wait three or four months. How are you dealing with that? Very delicately. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, a customer text me this morning saying, hey, where's my window? It's been six weeks. You know, I told the person six to eight weeks. So of course, six weeks rolls around and I get that text message. <laughs> yeah. But no, just trying to communicate as much as possible. So I don't like when working with a service company, I don't like when things fall into the black box. You know, you don't have any communication. And look, if you tell somebody it's going to be six to eight weeks, you know, obviously we're trying to set the right expectations. We're not going to be communicating with them every day leading up to that time, but we try to ping them every couple of weeks and just let them know, hey, you know, just want to let you know it's been a couple of weeks, you know, your, your product's still not in, but we're looking forward to getting you on the schedule as soon as possible. Yeah. Just keeping the, the channels of communication open so that everyone's aware, everything's transparent, and that kind of leads to a better customer experience as much as possible. Obviously, people are going to be frustrated if they can't get what they want tomorrow. That's just the world we live in, but just keeping good lines of communication helps out. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. It, it seems like people are being understanding, though, that, hey, what you order today is it's three months out. I mean, I think realistically, that's about where a lot of people are right now with Windows, especially like three months out. So do you find that they're being pretty reasonable about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and if you tell them, the other... I'm sorry to cut you off, but you tell them right up front, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's not the first thing we say, but it's certainly right, in that right. conversation. And most people understand that. They're aware of it. They read the, you know, they watch the news. They read about the supply chain issues. They have a 
decent understanding of what's going on out there. Plus, if anyone's gotten other estimates, they can compare, you know, hey, this other company is offering a product that's, you know, a similar time frame as yours. You know, we're all in the same boat. You know, we do try to strategically pivot when we can to manufacturers that aren't on allocation or have more supply so that we can provide solutions to customers that need it quicker. You know, like in roofing, you know, some some manufacturers are on allocation, producing only a few colors and others are not on allocation and they're producing a lot of colors. So we try to give optionality to our homeowners, our customers, so that we can say, hey, you know, if your heart's set on this particular manufacturer, we can we can help you out with that product. But you're going to have to be willing to wait or you're going to have to be willing to pick from a select few colors as opposed to this other manufacturer who you might not have to wait as long. And or you may have a better selection of colors and options that may be more attractive to you. Yeah. So again, we're trying to we're trying to figure out and and roll with the punches, you know, roll with the changes as things progress. That's why I say it's been very challenging planning things the last couple of years. Although we do continue to plan, we have to be ready to roll with the changes and anything that comes up. You know, if nail like you know, earlier this year we were we were experiencing issues with coil nails. Yeah. You know, of all things, fasteners, you know, we're thinking, oh my God, there's no way that we could run out of fasteners. But yeah, I mean, we're getting information from our supply houses saying, hey, you know, you might want to buy a pallet of, of nails just in case we can't get them to you because that could shut down our roofing production overnight. If we don't have any nails. You know, the guys are going to start hand nailing, which would be incredibly inefficient. I don't even know if people know how to hand nail these days anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we just got to try to stay in front of it as best as we can. So, There's two ways that I can go. I can either talk about the multiple offices, but I think what might be a little more interesting for me and hopefully for the listeners to go kind of back to your your beginning. So you worked at Kmart and then you did roofing. I may be reading between the lines, but you had to pay your way through school and you did it through roofing. My parents helped out with college. So I don't it want to helped. take that away from them. Yeah, yeah. So, but they didn't. You still had to work. You, they didn't come in. They didn't give you a boatload of money and say, "Here, go go start whatever company you want to start." No, no. They said, "Look, you know, if you want to go to college, we'll support you and we'll help out." And I said, "Yeah, I'd like to go to college. I'd like to further my education. I'd like to do something in business." So I got a business management degree, but I also wanted to work. I wanted to earn money. You know, yeah. I wanted to be productive. I didn't want to go out to school and just drink and hang out and party. That's not, you know, it's fun to do it on occasion, but you know, that's what most of my friends, they wanted to, that's what they wanted to get out of college, you yeah. know, go away, stay on, on campus, you know, have a great time, enjoy those years while they're there. Yeah. And I just didn't want any of that. I wanted to work full time and go to school full time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so then, so you did that and you were, so my kind of my, my question there was like, you know, you didn't come with from a whole with a whole bunch of money to go start a company. So then you started your company, you worked your ass off for a few years, had problems, you know, had a partner problem and said, okay, I could do better than this and found these new guys. Now, when you started it with that company, it was a fifth of the size that it is now. So when you came into that company, what were some of the things that you guys had to do different to go because it's very different. Three million dollar company is very different from a five million, from a ten million. Forget twenty. Let's just talk about five to ten. What are some of the things that you had to do 
or as a group you guys have to do in order to make that jump to go to that next level of five and then to that next level of 10? Sure. So we had to think differently for sure. You know, operating a small business is very different. Everyone knows each other. A lot less stuff has to be systemized. You don't need as many processes. You know, good systems and processes are built kind of just through conversations that you have with each other throughout the day. Once you scale up and you have more employees, right now we have over 50 in-house employees, not including the subcontractors and other people that we work with throughout the, throughout the day. And it requires better systems for communicating, better systems for production, for sales. You know, once you scale up from a couple sales reps, you can have a couple all-star sales reps starting off selling things the way that they're comfortable selling them. But if you want to scale up to multiple sales reps and multiple offices, then you need systems and processes to kind of lead the way. You know, we need to develop a sales manual and make sure that we had some sort of consistency throughout our sales process, no matter who was going out to see the homeowner. Same thing with scheduling, you know, our schedule coordinators, we make sure that they're all touching on the same points. They're all saying the same things when they're on the phone and trying to deliver that consistent, great customer experience. So that's what's driving, that's really what's driving me nowadays is trying to deliver on that because it's extremely difficult, but it's certainly possible. Trying to deliver a consistent, great customer experience using technology and good systems and processes. You know, that's what kind of gets me off. And, you know, we constantly try to see our business through the lens of the customer. You know, how was their interaction? I love going out and being active and meeting with people, talking to them on the phone. And one of the first questions I ask them is, how was your experience with our company so far? You know, just from a a neutral, hey, you know, give it to me straight. How have things been? And a lot of times I received great feedback. Hey, I spoke to somebody on the phone. I always ask who it was, if they remember the name. This person was great. She answered all my questions and concerns, set me up an appointment to meet with you. And it's great getting that feedback. And on the other hand, I received negative feedback from time to time, which only makes us stronger. I don't look at it as you know a terrible thing. It's going to happen. We're going to fall short. But that feedback is critical. It's important to receive that feedback so you can make adjustments. Even if you don't necessarily agree with the feedback that's been given, right. <laughs> you, know, you can turn to the team and say, hey, look, this person says that we fell short here, here, and here. What can we do to improve on this in the, in the future? And maybe it's centered around communication. Maybe it's centered around cleanliness, whatever it is. You know? So as we continue to grow, we've sought after that feedback while we were growing so that we can maintain that customer experience and the quality that we're delivering in the marketplace. You know, we do believe in delivering a fantastic product and service at the end of the day. Yeah. So, you know, more important than money is making sure we have a great reputation and we take care of people. We do right by the homeowner. We do right by the customer. Yeah, that's awesome. And is that, I was going to ask you about price, but it's obvious. We're higher than a lot of people. So, you know, there's obviously different business models. A lot of the canvassing companies they might not be as well-known online, like if you do some internet searching, but you know they can get a great price. And a lot of times they're dealing with clientele that aren't, I don't want to put it in a bad way, but they're not going online to shop. You know, yeah. They're not as you know, savvy, as technological, affluent, whatever. Well, they're so we surprising on- them at home. Yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> popping in and knock, yeah. knock. Hey, you, know, you weren't thinking about Windows, but how about a new set of Windows? And, yeah. you know... Today only, you'll get $10,000 off if you sign yeah. now. 
we, we don't do that. You know, our business model is a little different than that. So, you know, since we predominantly go to market through digital advertising, you know, it, there's a big downward pressure on that price, unfortunately, because we're dealing with people that do a lot of research. And yeah. when you go online, you can view a lot of websites, Angie's List, you know, HomeWise, HomeAdvisor, all these sites that have cost guides, some of which are really bogus, some yeah. of which are inflated, like for Modeler Magazine. I mean, those prices are pretty high by the market standards and at least our marketplace. So we're dealing with very price conscious consumers who are very savvy, very affluent. They do a lot of research, but we like that clientele, but that elevates our level of, of experience that we have to deliver to the homeowner. We use technology to help out with that. And we try to differentiate ourselves. And I can't tell you how many times we hear, Hey, you guys are the highest. Now, again, we wouldn't be the highest if they got prices from a lot of the canvas traditional companies out there. But certainly if they go online and they pick a few companies that are doing digital advertising, yeah, we are the highest. I got to admit lately, we've been hearing it. Everyone's been hearing it the last couple of years. You know, it used to be, Hey, you're kind of like middle, you know, upper middle, you know, now it's like, yeah, you guys are way high. You guys are 3000, $5,000 more than another, the next guy. Yeah. And we have to justify that price. And again, we don't want to, we don't want to be the cheapest guy in town. We don't want to reduce our price down to that level or certainly below it but it's extremely competitive. And yeah, we have to constantly try to figure out what's going to differentiate us and what's going to heighten that experience for the homeowner. And that's why I say, you know, we're focusing on technology to really try to accomplish that. Well, and what's interesting is you could take two tracks with that. So you use the term downward pressure. So you can either give in to the downward pressure or you could do what you do is say, okay, how do we prove to them that we are worth paying more. And okay. I think that that's the winning formula in, in this game is that you've got to be able to prove your worth, prove your value and show Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, yeah, you could get a better price, but guess what? For our price, we're a much better value than they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. So, what is one thing you're still you're you're still a really young guy you got a lot a lot of good stuff in front of you but what's something that you know now that if you know if you knew it a few years ago would have made a, a big difference in your in your life or in your business so one thing that i've discovered within the last 5 years was the importance of personal and professional development you know back when i was at my old company I worked a lot in the business. I spent a lot of time working in the business, focused on you know tasks that I could have delegated, quite frankly, but I didn't. I looked at it as I'm working hard, I'm doing whatever I can, and eventually I'll be successful and I'll be rich. <laughs> you know, it was kind of the thought process. Well, you know, one day I kind of woke up and I said, "Man, I got to really start rounding out areas that I'm not great in." you know, like finance and investing, you know, six, seven years ago, investing was like foreign to me. I didn't really know much about it. And I thought, okay, well, one day when I make a bunch of money, I'm just going to hand it to somebody and let them do it for me. And I was thinking more and more like that person's not going to look out for me. The only person who's going to look out for you is you, you know, life is truly a single player game. You have partners, you have people that you work with, that you try to accomplish things that you're set out to do, you know, but it's a single player game. The only person who's going to look after you is you. And I also was neglecting my health. So I 
dove into doing research in health and longevity and wellness and exercise and diet. And I've experimented with a ton of different things, you know, going vegetarian, eating only meat, no sugars, no grains, fasting, you know, intermittent fasting and kind of landed on stuff that works for me over the years, which is great. You know, I always think starting with your health is the most important because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything else. Yeah. You've got to have your health, like truly. And I've watched so many people just push themselves so hard in business. And even though they're like brilliant and they're just a money-making machine, you know, they'll have terrible health. They'll be in the hospital. They'll be out for, you know, a few days. And it's just, it's just sad to see. You know, they're, they have everything except for this critical missing ingredient, like your health, you know, because once that goes south, I mean, there's nothing else you care about except for getting healthy again. Yeah. So I looked at that as like, I got to really double down on that and make that a priority in my life. Like always moving forward, my health comes first. So even if I sprint and I do some things in the business or other areas of my life where I know like my health is taking a backseat, I don't ever let it take too much of a backseat where it starts to deteriorate. You know, and that was something I was doing back in the day. I was deteriorating my health, thinking that, oh, it's just going to yeah. be temporary. But, you know, you can't get that back. So focused on that. And I focused on, like I said, areas that I wasn't very versed in. You know, I didn't I went to school, but I didn't learn a lot about money. And, you know, there's a difference between making it and keeping it, investing it and growing it. So I needed to learn about investments. I looked at that as, you know, even if you make money, you know, if you constantly buy bigger houses, more boats, bigger, more expensive cars, you know, it's just money in money out. So yeah. I look at my personal life kind of like the business, you know, I like to save a lot. I'd like to, you know, earn a lot of money, but I also like to save a lot and invest it. You know, I'm, I'm always debating on where I should put my money to invest as opposed to what else can I buy? You know, what consumable good can I buy just to fixate a need or, you know, Oh, I would love to have that. Cause my neighbor has it. Like, I, I did away with that mentality. And the only way that I did that was to double down on personal development and professional development, you know, waking up early, starting the day with reading, you know, for at least 15, 30 minutes. You know, I've gone through, you know, sessions of meditation, podcasts, audiobooks, all that stuff, just filling your head with greatness. You know, one of the things I do in the morning now, I used to go to the gym pre-COVID and I would work out there and I would listen to podcasts and audiobooks. But now I, I enjoy long walks in the morning. So I'll walk for like three or four miles most mornings. But, you know, walking is kind of secondary. The, the main thing I'm, I'm looking to do is to feed my brain with greatness and download incredible content that's going to make me better. So, you know, a lot of people will say that, you know, you are the, the closest five people that you interact with, you know, most often in life. And I think there's a lot of truth into that. So yeah. there's some people that I don't have the opportunity to hang out with on a daily basis. So I just listen to them through podcasts and they don't know me, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I know them and yeah. what they're, they're speaking about. And, you know, they're just incredibly intelligent people. And I have the opportunity with this, the podcast formats to tap into that, you know, tap into your podcast, tap into anything out there where you can, Hey, I don't have the privilege of knowing these people personally and hanging out with them on a daily or weekly, monthly basis, but Hey, you know, just dive into what interests you, what areas you think you need to improve on and find experts in those fields and just hang out with them through a podcast or through, a, through an audio book or a real book, you know? Yeah. So I've just been doubling down on that. And I'll say that, you know, I know it's a long winded answer to the question, it's but a, it's great though. 
<laughs> I would definitely have done that a long time ago if I would have seen the value. I, I think I've grown exponentially over the last five years just doing that. And I was kind of like stagnant the, the five years prior to that, just because I didn't realize the importance of it. And if you just, you know, everyone will say they're busy, they don't have time. And that was me. I'm busy. I don't have time. How do I have time to read? You know, people will even ask me today, how do you have time to read? I don't have time to wet my ass. Like, all right, well, you know, clearly you can make time for those things. Right. You know, you can set time aside. It's just a matter of, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's just a matter of how you use it. You know, incredible leaders like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, those guys, they still have 24 hours just like you and I, but they're obviously spending their time differently than you and I. That's the key difference. Yeah. So love it. Wow. Great answer. Well, David, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time and all the information. I wish you continued success. And this has been great. And I'm going to remind everybody again, if you want to get a copy of The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor, just go to thewealthycontractor.com and you'll see a button there that says get the book and uh, I'll buy it. You just pay uh, delivery. It might be a good way to start in the mornings, fill your, fill your head with, with positive stuff. Like David said, I'm a big believer in that. I think it's so much more mindset than it is skill set. The older I get, the more I realize that it's so much more about mindset than, than skill set. And uh, the more you can work on that, I think the, the better your business becomes, the better your life becomes. So again, David, thank you so much for that. And until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Cascavalsian.